Have a seat. Good morning, friends. Today, we are going to be studying Psalm 1. Many uh, biblical scholars refer to Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 as two grand pillars, one of each side of the entrance gate into the book of Psalms. Jerome, one of the early church fathers, describes this psalm as the preface to the Psalms inspired by the Holy Spirit and compare it to the a great door of the building that is the whole Psalter. Psalm 1 is a practical psalm. It is here because it sets the stage for the reading of the rest of the psalms. These psalms commands the entire collections introducing God's people, how they can grow by experiencing the abundant life so graciously provided by God himself. It stands as a magnificent gateway that welcomes us to these extraordinary collections of psalms that make up a divine message. But it is also a gatekeeper who, who confronts us with what it takes to find happiness and fulfillment in life. Someone, brothers and sisters, is the narrow gate that lead us to the rest of the instruction manual. Someone contains a matter of supreme importance. It clearly shows us two paths in life, two destinies. This psalm is written concisely in black and white in order to contrast the path of the righteous with the path of the wicked. This morning, we will consider this psalm in three sections. What the righteous man does not do, what the righteous man is, and what the wicked man is. I invite you to open your Bibles to the chap first chapter in the book of Psalms. In your black Bibles that you have under your seat, you can find it in page 448. Here now, God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible, and life-giving word of God from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of coffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit and its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgments, no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. And it's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love and for our good. Let's consider the way that the Psalms open the verse 1. The first word that the psalmist used is blessed. So the psalms begin with unquestionable truth that God wants us to be happy and joyful. I would like us to understand the original meaning which which the author wrote the word blessed because it is important for us to point out that many times we have the wrong concept about the meaning of this word. 
We live in a fallen world where many times we feel someone is extremely blessed when they have lots of money or they own a lot of material possessions. We can go to any um, store that sells uh, home decors and we find this decoration, they say, bless in them. It has become a trendy word that is used to try uh, some level of appreciation for what we have. But when it's used lightly in this way, it's not the same idea of blessing that the psalmist had in mind when he wrote this psalm. For the psalmist, the word blessed had an eternal meaning, not a temporal one. In fact, Alan Rose said this is a term that refers to the joyful, spiritual condition of those who are right with God and the pleasure and satisfaction that is derived from that. It is a blessing that lasts for eternity and is much more than something limited to our time here on earth. It is about the eternal joy that comes from knowing God as our Lord and Savior. Blessed refers to a deep sense of joy and satisfaction that comes from experiencing the abundant life that God freely gives us through the redemptive word of Jesus Christ. If we read again verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Here, the author describes three things that the righteous or blessed man does not do. The blessed man, first, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed man does not stand in the way of sinners. And finally, the blessed man does not sit in the seat of the scoffers. Take a notice of these three actions here. Walking, standing, sitting. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the way of sinners, and does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Through these actions, we see the progression of sins and how it goes from bad to worse. The way of the wicked is downhill. As Pastor Richard reminds us regularly, sin never takes us where we want to go. Charles Spurgeon wrote about this saying, when men are living in sin, they go from bad to worse. At first, they merely walk in the counsel of the careless and ungodly, who forgot God. The evil is rather practical than habitual, but after that, they become habituated to evil, and they stand in the way of open sinners who willfully violate God's commandments, and if left alone, they go one step farther and become themselves pestilence teachers and tempters of others. And thus they sit in the seat of the scornful. They have taken their degree in vice as the true doctors of damnation they are installed. Walking in the wicked with the wicked brothers and sisters is dangerous because they always want to influence us with their counsel with the way of thinking in order us to move us away from God. But the righteous men 
cannot establish his life based on recommendations or suggestions of the wicked men. Instead, he must follow the law of the Lord. We must be careful what we allow to influence our thinking and our daily lives as this leads us downhill to this progression in sin. I ask you to consider who are you allowing to influence your life? What do you spend time on making it important and influential into your thinking and decision making? Remember that the influences that you allow in your life will have an impact in you, on you. This is why Proverbs 22.6 instructs us, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he soul, he will not depart from it. When we give the counsel of the wicked a space in, to enter into our life, their suggestions and their teachings come from the world, come from sinners. If we listen to their counsel, we often end up rejecting the counsel of God. And this can bring terrible consequences to believe brothers and sisters, that we can have fellowship with the world, that we can entertain sin without being influenced by it, is self-deception. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. Instead, these Psalms instruct us to avoid the counsel of the wicked, to be like the blessed man who did not let the counsel of the wicked attract him or trap him with his false promises. This is an area, as a parents, that we always pay attention to our children's friendships. Are they starting um, to learn about influence that these people can bring to their lives? I've had three sons, and on several occasions, um, my wife and I have talked to them about some friends that they have not been a good influence of them. Instead, they're leading them away from the path of their righteousness. God's word teaches us in Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of the fools will suffer harm. And this is repeated again in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, where we are told, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. While this is an important lesson for the children to learn as they grow and mature. It is also important for us and adults to remember that we should not walk in the counsel of the wicked. This sound also reminds us that our mind is a fortress that we have to defend. Because it's the key that allows us to capture the thoughts that seek to control our hearts and the rest of our being. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we do this by following the path of the righteous men 
who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The next action, the righteous or blessed men does not stand in the way of sinners. This means we should not join with sinners in their sins or be participants with them. We also need to stand with them, supporting them in their evil deeds. The blessed man avoids following bad example of the wicked man. He doesn't not imitate him, and he takes no pleasure in his mis misdeeds. This is not a passive avoidance of the sins, but rather it's an intentional action of not joining with them. And this avoidance, brothers and sisters, comes with a high cost, a cost of not feeling uh, socially or being weird or being different, a cost of losing a relationship or a friendship, a cost of being and under a um, lot of pressure. The third action that the righteous, a blessed man, does not do is sit in the seat of scoffers. If we look at the origin of this word scoffers, it comes from a Hebrew root that means those who make gestures with their mouth or with their faces and make fun of someone. In this case, someone who is making fun of God. A scoffer is the one who makes fun of another person in a very cruel and very humiliating way. It's not simply a harmless joke. We continue to see the progression of sin that occurs in this psalm. Sin begins by listening to the advice of the wicked and then assuming his ideas. Then he joins his company by assuming his lifestyle. And finally, he loses all the fear of sin and respect from God and ends up mocking the law of the Lord and those who follow the Lord. The mockers are those who have hardened conscience and those who ridicule anyone who does not think like them. The scoffers walk according to their own wicked desires and laugh at the judgments of God. The wicked men think that they can mock God and suffer no consequences, but how far from reality this is. Paul Remind us in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is no mocked. For whoever wants souls, that will he also reap. Dale Ralph Davids uh, puts uh, the righteous man into perspective, saying, He's a countercultural. He's in a world different. He's not just nice, easy going, tolerant chap who likes to share a drink with you. There is a difference between the righteous man here and what my culture calls a good old boy. He received the vacuum cleaner powers move that evil puts on him. Friends, if our families, our friends, our neighbors, or our co-workers see a total change in us, that we do not participate in their sinful words, that we avoid these temptations, they might be surprised that we are not longer with walking with them in these ways. But if no one around us notice this change after we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then means, this means that we are in serious, 
serious spiritual problems. Now, we leave behind what the righteous man does not do, and we look to see what the psalmist tells us that he does in verse 2. But he delights in the law of the Lord, and his law meditates day and night. The law of the Lord is his instruction, his doctrine, his teaching. The word law is Torah in Hebrew and refers to the Pentateuch. That's it, the first five books of the Bible. This was the psalmist, what he had at hand and what he delighted. Now, we see that instead of walking with the counsel of the wicked, the blessed man listens, loves, and submits to the law of the Lord. We have read in 2 Corinthians 10 that the battle begins in the field of thoughts and that when our mind is conquered, then our whole life is shaped according to those thoughts. If our thoughts have that much power in us, then it is important to choose well what kind of influences we allow to be in our lives. The psalmist meditate on God's word day and night, which implies a constant repetition that always he seek God. It didn't matter the situation he was in, whether they were hard times or whether they were good times. It is very easy to run to God when things go wrong, in time of sickness, when we are unemployed, or something is out of our control. But it is more difficult to go to God when everything to, seems to be going well. Somehow, we get so busy, so distracted with all those things that are going well in our lives that we forget to spend time with the one who is blessing us. The psalmist tell us that the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. No matter what season of life he finds himself in, he receives guidance from the law and values the law, which God's its authoritative self-expression. The righteous man, the blessed man, understand that he more rejects all the stuff that the word is teaching him. He can be, become the righteous man. The blessed man only truly understands the fact what forms his Thoughts form his life. He becomes saturated with the word of God. He's drenched from top to bottom with the instruction of the Lord. How many of us can say that we delight in the law of the Lord? Do we look forward to our quiet times when we read God's word? Do we spend, approach our quiet times only with a sense of duty? Do we even remember to have a quiet time each day? These are our times to meditate in God's word. And we should also have the same thing of constant repetition as the psalmist meditating day and night. This constant action is why it's very important to memorize the scripture and engrave them in our hearts it gives me a great joy every time I listen to these uh, children in Sunday school repeating the verses they learn. If uh, we have these verses uh, memorized in our hearts, they come to us in different seasons of our lives, in those times of joy, in those times of despair, 
the times when you are only being able to do the next thing, and all the times in between, no matter the circumstances, God's words speak to our hearts and is a soothing bomb to us. Now read with me verse 3. He's like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all what he does, he prosper. I'm from Acapulco, which is a tropical environment on the Pacific coast of Mexico. My parents' house is near a river, and as a child, I spent many afternoons playing and swimming in this river. During the rainy season, uh, this river will be full of water, and there always seem to be new activities, new stuff for me to discover and explore. Next, next to this river, there are a lot of um, mango trees, and these trees grow bigger than the other ones that are not so close to the river. They also produce mangoes that are larger, they are sweeter and other, uh, than the other trees because they have strong roots and they have plenty water. This is the image that the psalmist wants us to have in, he in our heads when we read this verse. This is where the path of the blessed leads. This image used in this verse compares to the righteous man to a healthy tree. This symbolism is not unique to this psalm. In fact, through the Bible, we can see it. Take it, for example, Jeremiah 17, 7, 8, which tells us, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by this stream and does not fear when that heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. When we delight and meditate on God's words and the Bible, as the blessed man does in Psalm 1, we too will be like a tree planted by a stream of water. We will be firmly rooted, and Jesus will be our water, our ultimate source of life. He will provide food and refreshment. And in this setting, we will regularly bear fruit as Galatians 5, 23 teaches. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Brothers and sisters, the Christian can produce this fruit or good words only if he remains united to Christ through the living faith that the Spirit produces in us. Just as a tree can only produce fruit if it's well watered, the Christian can produce good words only if his faith is well watered with the Word of God. A tree is a living organism that produces fruit according to the nature that God gave it. The nature of a healthy apple tree is to produce apples. The nature of a vine is to produce grapes. And the new nature of those redeemed in Christ is to produce good works like works like Christ. Those who live their lives according to the word of God and avoiding the way of the wicked and are redeemed by Jesus produce fruits of faith and are truly blessed. As we discussed back in verse 1, being blessed 
means enjoying the happy and rewarding life that only comes from God. True blessing is the peace that comes through the forgiveness of sins. True blessing is receiving the freedom to live according to the word of God. True blessing is enjoying the glory of the li uh, living with God for all eternity. This is the bliss that awaits for those who walk the path of the righteous and delight in the word of God. When the psalmist speaks about prosperity, he's not speaking of uh, something external or material, but a deeper prosperity. He's referring to the prosperity of the soul. Arcis Sproul comments saying, the Hebrew word is broader in scope than the English prospers which tends to be restricted to finance. The Hebrew words mean succeeds, which fits well with in all that he does. Christ has given a promise to all those who have been called to believe in him, to listen to him, to obey him, and to follow him. Jesus will cause rivers of living water to be born from within him, those rivers will splash all those around him, and the word of God will transform his life. Everyone who spends time in the presence of God becomes a different person and must reflect on his life and develop the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We have spent the last few minutes reading about the blessed men. Now in the next verse, the psalmist turned back to the contracts of the blessed men and the wicked men. Read with me verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. I want you to see the contrast with the pre previous verse, where the blessed man is compared to a tree that was planted ne next to extreme, uh, streams of water. A healthy tree next to a water is a strong, so strong when the storm comes, this tree does not fall because the roots, they are so deep. But the wicked man is not even compared to an unhealthy tree. The wicked men are compared to chaff that the wind drives away. The chaff is the wordless husk material that surrounds the ripe seed of a plant. It is so light, so light that the winds blows, the chaff easily flies away. What a contrast with the blessed men whose roots are strong and the weather cannot move it. In fact, James Montgomery Boyce comments saying, the wicked men are like chaff in two senses. Chaff is wordless and chaff is burned. This picture is the futile, empty, wordless life of the godless, as well as their inevitable judgment. On judgment day, God will gather all believers into his heavenly home. As the farmer gathers the good grain in his barn, but the wicked will be removed from the presence of God, like the chaff that the wind snatches away. The psalmist continue contrasting the wicked to the righteous in verses 5 and 6, saying, 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. A day of judgment will come, and on that day, the ultimate truth of things will be clearly revealed. What would happen at that moment? The psalmists tell us the wicked will not stand in judgment. When God decides to judge men according to his principle of justice, the wicked will feel so shame and will not be able to stand to defend themselves. Of course, this is not what happens today. When the wicked make their will prevail, and even manage to change the law to suit their preference. But this perversion of justice will not happen in the high court of God. The justice, the God justice will prevail eternally. The wicked will not rise up. They will not be victorious on the day of judgment, but instead they will be humiliated, ashamed, and separated from God from eternity. Unrepentant sinners will not be in the congregation of the righteous. They will not be forgiven, and they will be executed for God's promises and from heaven. Calvin writes, saying, we must never allow ourselves to be deceived by the imaginary happiness of the ungodly. But in the circumstances of our distress, we must keep before us the providence of God who ultimate will bring order out of confusion. Friends, God takes care of those on the path of righteousness. He promised blessings to those who delight in his word. In contrast, the path of the wicked leads to judgment and condemnation. The ways of the wicked sometimes seem tempting, but in the end, it's only lead to eternal punishment. These last two verses point us ahead to the destiny of the life of the blessed men and the destiny of the wicked men. Verse 5 refers to the judgment in which the wicked men have no hope in which they will perish. God knows both groups. He distinguishes both of them. In the end, one is different from the other. Judgment awaits the wicked and salvation awaits the righteous. Brothers and sisters, the righteous man in Psalm 1 is our Lord Jesus. He's the only one who did not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, and he did not sit in the seat of scoffers. In the midst of tribulation, he delighted and obeyed the law of the Lord and meditated upon it both day and and night. Christ is the only one who lived a perfect life without sin. He lived the path of righteousness. The only way to follow the path of the blessed man is to become righteous. And the only way to achieve this is to be saved through Jesus Christ. He alone made salvation possible through his life, death, and resurrection. He took our sin on his shoulders, and now his own righteousness is imputed to us. You and I 
can never obey the law perfectly. But how amazing is to consider that Jesus already did it for us. While you and I could never perfectly live this life of righteousness and holiness, Jesus already did. And when our faith and trust are in him, the righteousness of Christ is counted as our own. When we entrust our lives to Jesus, when we believe in him for our salvation, we are not giving only his righteousness, but we are giving his spirit. Thanks to the spirit in us, it is possible for us to live like the righteous men, since by our own strength, it is not possible. By the power of the spirit, we have the power to do what he called us to do. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can do all these things that the righteous means that. We cannot do it as we could earn our own salvation on our own merits, but instead to do it knowing that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in the way of the righteous men. The Holy Spirit gives us delight in the word of the Lord, day and night. And through this delight, we should find ourselves meditating on God's word as the authority in our lives as we strive towards a life of righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know better than anyone how many times we have disobeyed your instruction. Many times we don't even take the time to listen to your instruction. Have mercy and forgive us, Father. Restore us so we can be a, like a plant, uh, our tree planted by a current of um, water of your grace and forgiveness. Help us to drink deeply the water of you, Jesus. Help us to bear fruit of, for the love of, of your kingdom. And when the storm comes, give us the pleasure of the light and your word. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.